This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Today, we're going to tackle the topic of how dads can build strong relationships with their daughters. And I'm bringing in my resident expert on this topic, my husband, Jesse. I've had a little bit of experience with that. And we're not going to talk about it from the standpoint of, you know, we don't have an 18-year-old daughter, but I'm thinking this would be great for parents and dads especially, because we actually do have a number of dads who listen, who maybe have younger daughters. And Mm -hmm. now that we have a 14-year-old and 12-year-old, you kind of sharing your experience because both of them have a close relationship with you. And honestly, I feel like sometimes are much more open with you. Like I have a great relationship with them, but I think they feel very secure in sharing things with you. And you'll have these great conversations with you and you get them to open up. And it's just really beautiful. Let's start the show the way we always do with talking about what's saving our lives. And I want to share about soup because it is finally cool enough here for us to really enjoy soup. What are you giving that funny face for? (laughs) Because it's like 71 degrees outside (laughs) today. (laughs) Today. Tomorrow morning, it's supposed to be 32. But it's cloudy outside and rainy, so that makes it feel like it's cooler. And for the most part, it hasn't gotten above 70 for, I mean, this is the warmest day it's been, it feels like in a number of days, which is actually very cool for this time of year in Tennessee. It's like, we're actually getting a fall, Yes, which is amazing. (laughs) It is so amazing. And I'm like, just please stay, please fall weather. I love fall weather. So we've actually been able to wear long sleeves and make soup. 
And so I've been trying different soup recipes. And if you are looking for some yummy soup recipes, I posted some on my blog and we will link to that in the show notes, some of our very favorites. But one of them that we had last week was hamburger vegetable soup. Another one that we had last week was 45 cent potato soup, which was very yummy. It was a new recipe. And then we also tried another new recipe, and that was chicken tortellini soup, which is very much like chicken noodle soup. It was in the crock pot, but instead of noodles, it had tortellini, and everyone loved it. It was gone within 10 minutes, I think. The yeah, crock was pot good. was completely clean. Why was it called 45 cent? On the potato soup, 45 yeah. cent. It was on some website that they called it 45 cent potato soup, but honestly, I think it probably was 45 cents per serving per is serving. what it was. Because it didn't have, it used, it was a milk based instead of a cream based and it didn't have any cheese. So it was a very, very frugal recipe. We mm. did put bacon and cheese on it. It so, was really good. But it was very good and it was super easy to make too. So we will link to those in the show notes. Jesse, what's saving your life this week? Well, we were talking about this and one thing that I've found very helpful is kind of a a schedule or calendar of sorts. It's not necessarily a calendar, but a plan, a workout plan that I've put it's together. It's a calendar of sorts because it's it looks just like a calendar. You have this really cool um, whiteboard. It's it's not an actual whiteboard. It's this post-it sticky whiteboard. Well, that sounds like it's this tiny little thing. It's a great big, yeah, it's, like a massive, huge post-it. Mm-hmm. Not post-it, well, but it, it's it a is sticky. It, that's the brand that it is. Oh, it is? I yeah. didn't know that. But you stick it on the wall and you can stick these anywhere in the house and mm-hmm. it kind of transforms your wall into a whiteboard. Yeah. And then you can peel it off and you have just your wall. And I don't think it mm-hmm. messes up the wall. You can't reuse them. Yeah. I think you're supposed to be able to reuse them, but realistically you can't. But anyway, so you have this post-it whiteboard in the gym and you have it all mapped out, sophisticated mm-hmm. system. So tell us about your system. Well, what I did is I made a grid basically that in each vertical column of the grid is for a week. So there's seven different squares that I've put together and then taken that and I put probably two and a half months mm-hmm. worth of weeks on in that grid or in that calendar and then write down whatever I do for workout just to keep for accountability purposes. So I can have it like a, as like two and a half months at a glance and keep myself accountable. And I, I write on there, you know, if we're going to be out of town or, you know, just put like a V in there for vacation for excuses to why I didn't get something done. That other Saturday, whenever you were home all day, were, were you out of town? There was, there was a V on there. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, well, it's kind of like a 90 day journal, yeah. like a 90 day planner. You know how they say if you do things for 90 days without stopping and kind of having that where it's right there. It's not right. like you're saying, I, I want to work out, or I think I worked out every day this right. week. You have the actual literal, you know, you're checking the boxes and in the boxes, you're putting exactly what you did mm-hmm. each day. So you're keeping tabs. Right. And c- because I had a goal of doing like three to five times a week. So then I can take a look at that board and say, well, did I do that this week? Did I, or did I not? So it's very helpful that way. And I think you can also see longer than just a week. It's Mm -hmm. kind of nice that you can see, okay, the last two and a half months. And then I've noticed you've been marking off so that you're able to just kind of reuse it. Mm -hmm. Yep. I erase it and redo another two and a half months worth of space. 
And I think it's really kept you motivated to work out. You're kind of one of those people who you tend to be more motivated externally. Mm-hmm. So working out with other people I will agree. motivate you. But I, I've noticed that since you've had this calendar on the wall, you've worked out. It feels like a lot more consistently on your own. Yeah, because it's all planned out. I think it's worked really well for you. Yep, I agree. As far as books this week, I wanted to talk about the book, I Will Always Write Back, How One Letter Changed Two Lives. And this book was recommended by one of my followers quite a while ago because I said about how I liked the, how do you pronounce it, epistolary novels where it's the letters back and forth. And this is not exactly just written in letter form, but it has a lot of their letters in it. It's written by Martin Gonda and Caitlin, I'm going to try to say her last name, Aliferenka. And they started writing letters as pen pals when they were very young in grade school. It was a school project to write a letter to someone in a different country. So Mm -hmm. um, Caitlin sent the first letter. Well, Martin got the letter and wrote back. And it's actually a true story. I didn't realize exactly that it was a true story until I started reading. And it's this beautiful story that unfolds of how Caitlin's family ends up having this huge impact on Martin's family. And then Martin's family ends up having this huge impact on Caitlin's family and how understanding what it looks like to live in a different part of the world, Mm -hmm. how that changed Caitlin's life. And so she talks about, you know, being a teenager and all her friends are talking about these very, you know, their teen drama of like, oh, you know, who likes who and all this stuff. And she has been exposed to all this poverty Mm. and dire need that Martin's family is going through. And it's really hard for her to even think about those types of things because she's thinking, this is so frustrating. Why are you talking about, you know, I can't believe he dumped me when it's like across on the other side of the world, they're just trying to figure out how are we going to eat today? Mm. And it's just a really powerful story, especially because, of my heart for Africa because Martin's family lives in Africa. And I think it was probably written more for, I would say like middle schoolers, but as an adult, I really loved reading. And I would say there's a little bit of language and a little bit of teen issues that I feel like you would, if you were going to have your middle schooler read it, I would want to read it ahead of time or read it with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But a very valuable, worthwhile read to just get an idea of a little bit of what it's like to live in a very different culture and how much we have to be grateful for that we often take for granted. And then also how much we can learn from those in other cultures. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of kind of what we talked about in the South Africa podcast that we did a few weeks ago and just how much Caitlin learned from Martin. And it wasn't like just her family reaching out and helping Martin's family, but it was really Martin's family and Martin's life changing her family's life. So it was really beautiful. So again, that was called, I will always write back and we will put the link to that in the show notes. Let's talk about our topic for today, Jesse. And we didn't discuss ahead of time the questions that I'm going to ask, but I just want to have a really honest conversation because Mm -hmm. I've watched you love your daughters so well. 
And I learned so much from you as a parent. And I think you have a lot of wisdom to share in this area. So first off, I just love to hear, I always have heard that for dads, as their daughters get older, it's becomes where it can kind of be a little bit awkward. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that a lot of dads, their tendency is kind of to pull back. Like once their daughters hit 10, 11, 12, you kind of pull back because you're like, I don't know what to do with this mm. child that's becoming a woman. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's an important conversation to have because it can happen without you even realizing it. And so is that something that you have experienced at all as the girls have gotten older? Yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, because they change from being little kids to older young kids and now they're growing up and you don't know how to approach certain subjects or topics or even addressing um, addressing them in, in ways that they might not feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. you know, and when they stop calling you daddy and, and things like that. You that know? was really, really hard for both of us when it became dad, dad mm-hmm. and mom. And I was just like, I kind of had to grieve the loss of what? What are you calling me? You can't call me that. You're supposed to call me mommy. But mm-hmm. yeah, and it was just that realization of they're getting older and I can't expect them to act like a little child. Right. Because they're becoming a teenager mm-hmm. and becoming an adult. Isn't that the goal? <laughs> but How- that's definitely something that that as a father that I want to lean into. Mm-hmm. And you know, come alongside them in way a way that will help them, mm-hmm. and that because my role as a father and to disciple them hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's still the same. The way that we interact might change, but the but the role doesn't change. So, what does it look like to lean into them and love them well and disciple them? When they're 12 and 14. Honestly, finding out what their strengths are, studying them, and is it spending time? Is it, you know, flowering with gifts? Is it words of affirmation? What what speaks to their heart? Mm-hmm. And leaning in in that way. Mm-hmm. Trying to be there, be present, because that's not going to last for all that long. Mm-hmm. And, and showing that they're valued that their opinion matters, you know, ask them what they think about something, engage them in conversation, not just telling them this is the way it is, but trying to get their input on things. I think you do such a good job of having those conversations with the kids. I, I think you use the opportunities all the time when you're driving them places or when it's the dinner table or Mm -hmm. you're just sitting around at night you ask them hard questions and you don't just tell them, well, this is what you should think. Mm -hmm. And I love that, that you're asking them and inviting them to have opinions Mm -hmm. and to disagree with you Mm -hmm. and with each other, but to do it graciously and for you to say, well, I want to know, why do you think that? Mm -hmm. And that it's okay if you have a different opinion and learning to express that well. What I want them to do is to think foundationally. And what I want to help do is to lay that proper foundation to 
think presuppositionally, you know, realize why do you believe what you believe? What is at the root? What is at the foundation? Don't just give me the conclusion that you've come up with that, you know, this particular opinion is a good idea. Why is it a good idea? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't understand what lies at the foundation, then circumstances might change that affect what underlines and underpins your opinion. And yet that opinion might not change. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just trying to get them to think in logical and in, in biblical uh, manners. So, and, and not be afraid to express their opinion, even to people that don't agree with them. It was just the other day, Silas and I were having this conversation and he was asking me about a certain thing. Why don't we do this? Why don't we believe in this? And I, we were talking through it and I was telling him, well, this is, this is what I believe. And, you know, this is what we have come to, but I don't want you to believe this because your parents believe this. Mm-hmm. And I said, if your friend asks you, I don't want your answer to anything to be, especially as you get older, well, because that's what my parents believe or because that's what my parents make me do or because that's what my parents require of me. Mm-hmm. Or I have to do this because that's what my parents told me to. I was like, I want it to be your own personal conviction. And if your conviction is different than mine and you can come to me and you have a good reason why it differs from me, like I welcome that mm-hmm. because I want you to think for yourself. And mm-hmm. so I love how you've instilled that in all the kids and you've taught them to be able to learn to articulate what they believe and to think logically. You're so good at that. Maybe it's because of being an attorney. Uh, you have well, to learn to argue. Ma- being married with an eight, we tend to have Enneagram deep, eight. Discussions, deep discussions. <laughs> an attorney with an Enneagram eight, let's just say, we're not going to just be like, Oh, let's just roll over and whatever you think. That's great. (laughs) It's not how we roll. What were you going to say? Well, another thing too is investing in their friendships, you know, Mm -hmm. coming alongside their friendships and not just being a fly on the wall, but really leaning into that. And, you know, I was thinking of a time when uh, I took both of them and their friends to Sonic and we just sat around eating and having fun and I uh, opened it up for conversation. I split the group up to two teams and we discussed a debate question of whether or not fish know that they're wet. And uh, so each side took one particular side of the argument. I had let them sit and develop it and amongst themselves. And then they presented it. The other side presented their argument and then I had them flip sides. And so they all really enjoyed it. And, but what I found was interesting is how much, all three of their kids, of our kids, uh, added into the discussion. They loved it. Well, and that was because of what you have instilled in them, truly. And I'd love to, you know, kind of shift gears here. And what does it look like to walk with the girls and, you know, pour into them? You mentioned about their love languages and, you know, really finding out their love languages and mm-hmm. how they feel loved. But can you give us some practical examples of ways that you're kind of pouring into them and reaching out to them? Really spending time with them mm-hmm. and intentionally talking to them and listening to them, asking them how they're feeling about things, asking them how their day went. You know, just a simple question like that on the way home from school, you know, and, and digging into their answers. And so you ask them how their day went. 
do sometimes I, I can hear some parents saying, well, pff, I try to ask my kid and they're like, fine. Do you ever get that kind of response? Not necessarily with fine, but like, well, yeah, just, it was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but not necessarily the fine putting up a wall. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me any other questions. Fine. Um, I think our kids are pretty good at at least not putting up a wall to answer mm-hmm. questions. And so I think that's because of having the conversations with them when they're younger. Mm-hmm. And that's what I just really encourage parents who are listening, who have younger kids. I think it's easy that you get busy with life and you kind of forget, you know, when they're two and three, you can't really have the conversations with them much more than really basic things. But very soon, you know, when they're four and five, you can start having these great conversations with them, they can understand a lot more than we oftentimes give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And so starting those conversations and just really talking with them and involving them in family discussions. And I think speaking value to them by saying, you know, what you share, we want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so that when they get older, they're used to kind of opening up and sharing with you. Mm -hmm. And because I think if you wait until you feel like, oh, well, they're 12 or 13, they should, you know, talk to me, have real conversations. Now Mm -hmm. you've kind of missed the opportunity in a lot of ways and you can still rebuild that. But I think it's harder to rebuild than if from the beginning you're building that in. The key is, is also for them to realize that they're valued Mm. and that they're loved. So communicating I love you as much as you can mm-hmm. and mean it, you know, come give them a hug, come in, mm-hmm. you know, put your arm around them, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that they are appreciated and, and not only valued, but appreciated. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you also do a great job of speaking life to them, calling out their strengths. I see you doing that where, you know, when you see them doing something good, you are saying that to them, you know, you're, you're appreciating that you're affirming that in them Mm -hmm. and affirming character. Um, I've seen you recently, you know, just affirming the girls by, Hey, I saw, you know, when this happened, I really appreciated that you responded like this, Mm -hmm. or I've really seen growth in you in the last few years because two years ago, you probably would have responded like that, but look at you now, you know, and just really calling that out and celebrating mm-hmm. the progress. Well, one thing that I try to focus on too is focus on the positive, not the negative. So like when they get a grade card back, focus on the things that they excel in, not at the grades that need to be brought back up. Mm-hmm. So many times we look at those things that need to be brought back up. Well, those may not be strengths. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that they may not be doing as good in a history topic or uh, a science and do great in math, or you know maybe that's not their strength. And so focus on building up their strength so that they could be awesome at that mm-hmm. and not just mediocre at something they're strong at and then bringing up the what they're weak in and making that mediocre. They need to bring it up so that their strength, so that they're a rock star in the area that they're strength of. Yeah. And the other thing might lag behind, but at least they know what they're capable of and what they're good at. 
And maybe that then that's what they'll go on and, and do what God has given them a strength for. Well, I think a, a lot of times we talk about our weaknesses, mm-hmm. you know, and call it out and say, it's okay to not be good at everything. Mm-hmm. No one can be good at everything. And so it's, it's okay. Like we're not going to expect you to do well in every subject. Mm-hmm. We just expect you to do your best and your best is going to look different. Mm-hmm. My best in certain subjects might be a C and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you've done a really great job of not setting that expectation of like perfection mm-hmm. on them, but and doing well. And the other thing too, is to not rescue them when they're struggling, mm. let them struggle because struggling builds strength mm. and they'll be much better for it in the end. Well, I think it's not leaving them just hanging out there. Like Mm-mm. you come alongside them and you love on them, but you don't feel like you have to go in and it's like the caterpillar that's in the cocoon that's struggling to come out and be a butterfly. Like you can't just cut that cocoon open because the butterfly is not going to live. Like it has mm-hmm. to have that struggle in order to build up the strength in order to actually be a butterfly. Yep. And, and so it's, it's hard as parents because we'd like to bubble wrap our kids Mm -hmm. and protect them and just say, you know, I don't want them to ever get hurt. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to have to struggle, but yet that's not the real world. Mm -hmm. I want them to be able to do hard things. I mean, I was just thinking back to when we did the Spartan race here a couple of weeks ago off uh, three of the kids that ran that with me and Catherine, the, the longer version with me and Silas and Caitlin did the shorter version, but they loved it. And they facing those obstacles and they didn't back down from something that w- was hard mm-hmm. and dirty. Mm-hmm. Um, they pushed forward and, and they enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to see you really praising them and celebrating them for that. And I think because it's the kind of race that both you and I would really love to do. Like they've seen us do the Tough mutters mm-hmm. and talk about them. And so for them to get to kind of go out and do their own sort of race like that, mm-hmm. I think made them feel very, very fulfilled. And it was fun as parents to just see that we kind of, in a, in a sense, had kind of instilled that excitement for doing something that was dirty and hard and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of exhausting and that it can be really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear from you you know, if you just have words for parents who have young daughters right now who are listening, who they want to raise them up to be strong women with strong values, what advice or encouragement would you have to those parents? Invest time in them. Time is a limited resource that we have. And when you invest time in someone, they realize that they're valued. Mm. And that's time you could be doing something else. But if you're using that time and focusing on them and to encourage them to build them up, that speaks volumes to them. So good. Time equals value. I love that. And we will end with that.
As always, if you have any question or topic that you would love for Jesse and I to tackle on a future episode, you can email that to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. We love hearing from you. Your comments and your emails and your reviews are some of the highlights of our week, so keep them coming. I hope you have a great week, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.